everyone, welcome to A Millennial Learns. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is our Bible study episode. Usually it's on Thursdays. It's coming to you on a Friday. We've been packing for Michigan. We're going to spend a week there and just work through the week in Michigan. It's going to be so exciting because I have not seen a Midwest fall, but I'm about to. So we're getting ready for that. So got this up a little bit late. Um, but today we are going through the last part of Isaiah. Technically, my reading this week was a little bit into Jeremiah, but we're just going to save, I think it was only five chapters, so we're just going to save that for next week, go through a bigger chunk of Jeremiah by five chapters. Um, and today we're just going to go through the book of Isaiah. Now, here's my problem with Isaiah, which I've said before. Isaiah is a very, very long book. Isaiah is also confusing to me. So I think I already got one like an analysis wrong about Isaiah like last week because I think I was talking about and I'll, and I'll go over the part I got wrong. I believe it was in chapters 24 through 27, but I was saying that you know the poem that he was talking about was just about like the Israelites coming back to Israel just in the kind of temporary short term, like the restoration of Israel after their exile, very, very short term. But as I was reading these Bible summaries and Bible commentaries, I realized that it was not true. This is like the final days. He's prophesying about the final, final days, like way in advance. And so what I decided to do is like, I do highly recommend that you go read Isaiah and I, I've read Isaiah, but I'm not going to rely on my own analysis at this moment because it got so confusing to me and I don't know, I don't know why I need to go reread knowing, you know, about what it's talking about first, I think, or something. I don't know. But either way, I found these great Isaiah outline chapters that I will link uh, below and it goes like three or four chapters at a time and talks about what they actually mean. They're very, very helpful. So I'm pretty much gonna read these and talk about them because just to make sure we're on the same page, I don't wanna lead anyone astray. So um, let's start at chapters 24 through 27 because this is kind of where I think I was wrong and I was talking about, you know, Jesus coming back or, or the Israelites being restored to Israel like at that time period, not the final days. Anyway, so let's start with uh, Isaiah 24 and we will go all the way to the end of the book. Let's get started. Okay, so Isaiah 24 through 27, the over, overview they gave is the end of the world. So that is where I realized I got, had gotten it wrong. Um, it says, chapter 24 is a poem about the doom of the wicked on the day of judgment. The gaiety ceases, judgment upon hypocrisy and treachery, and there's hell, a terror, pit, and snare. So it talks about hell, talks about judgment, and all the good times cease. Then chapter 25 is a poem about heaven, how the righteous will be so joyous on the day of judgment because we are righteous. Um, at the end of the poem, the reference to Moab, Judah's, en 
Judah's enemy symbolizes the powers of wickedness. So it talks about a banquet that the Lord throws. Um, and it says, this is the Lord for the Lord for whom we have waited. So it's, you get this very like sharp dichotomy about what happens to people who are not righteous and what happens to people who are righteous. Chapter 26 is a poem in which Judah represents the church of Christ. At the climax of this poem, the righteous seek God in their distress. He will rescue them even though they die. The dead will arise. At that time, God will punish the wicked and reward the righteous. So this is talking about the believers who have already died physically, how they will be risen and reunited with all of our other, the other believers and God. It says, the believers, those who trust in God and remain faithful, will be kept in perfect peace. The unrepentant who refuse to learn from God to perceive his majesty and to be reborn will be punished by him. And then tribulation, resurrection, and judgment. So it talks about all those things. Then the uh, chapter 27 is a poem about God's gathering up of his people on the last day. The poem is prefaced by a brief statement that the Lord will punish Leviathan, the monster serpent of the sea, that symbolizes Satan. So, um, again, it talks about like the two very different paths for believers and unbelievers. Okay, 28 through 31. Also, this website is very nice when, if you, you know, I'll link it and if you go to it, you can click on like chapters 27 to, you know, or chapters 24 through 27, and then you read the whole thing and then it has a link to the next four, like set of four very very convenient so okay context overview uh in chapters 28 through 39 of isaiah jerusalem is issued with a series of warnings especially that their trust in egypt as an ally is misplaced and that they should be trusting in god these warnings are followed by encouragement in the form of poems about the messiah the king in his beauty Next, Isaiah warns all nations that they are accountable to God. Isaiah then tells the story of how God helped King Hezekiah in Jerusalem to save the city from destruction. He then records how God extended Hezekiah's life and promised him that Jerusalem would not be destroyed until after his death. Okay, so warnings to Jerusalem, which is encapsulated in Isaiah 28 and 29. So Ephraim, a warning by example. Wait, it says, it says Ephraim, a warning by example. Ephraim in drunk decline and soon to be destroyed is an example from which Judah should learn. Then he compares Ephraim's crown to the Lord. Um, he talks about how God's word should be received. So a warning to receive the word attentively. You know, they basically say study these line upon line, precept upon precept, because you really need to know these warnings. Uh, then they talk about how God will lay a new cornerstone in Zion. God will lay a new foundation with a strict measuring line. In view of this, injustice, deceit, and scoffing will be swept away by a storm of destruction. Okay, then they talk about a parable of a farmer to talk about how God, you know, counsels us and how he has a good purpose for the, for the Jewish people. He will plow and thresh Jerusalem, but not forever, only to the extent necessary to a harvest. Okay, then they talk about this sealed book, which means, you know, it, it's supposed to express Judah's lack of discernment and heart towards God. And yeah, so there's a few more warnings here, but um, the ending one talks about how God is optimistic, how um, 
there's sanctification that will happen. And so that's kind of the note that it ends on after all these warnings. Then Isaiah 30 through 31 is all about how, like it said in the summary, that their ally needs to be with God and not Egypt. So, you know, they're putting their, their hope and trust in the wrong place. Now that's pretty much the whole next two chapters. Okay, so then we have the Isaiah 32 through 35. Um, this is the falls within that same summary overview that um, that I read before. So this part, Isaiah 32 through 33, these two are all about the king and his beauty, as I mentioned. So. Um, although in the near future, Judah will undergo great suffering and loss, there is a time in the more distant future when a king will reign in a new Jerusalem that will never pass away. So again, this is not talking about, you know, Judah currently. It's talking about like the end, 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 end of days, the actual end. So those who dwell in this kingdom will be forgiven of their iniquity forever. And okay, this was interesting because Isaiah is very poetic. And so they said that Isaiah presents these facts in two poetic triads. So the first triad talks about how a king will right all the wrongs, how the women of Judah are challenged to set an example of repentance and endurance, and then a poem about the peaceful a poem about the peaceful kingdom of God. That's the first triad. Then the second triad talks about just the Lord and talks about how he's exalted, how he'll rise up, and how he is the king in his beauty. Okay, then Isaiah 34 through 35, uh, this is the nations and God's kingdom. It says, whilst God has allowed and even used the nations around Israel and Judah to punish them, he will bring those nations to nothing and his own kingdom will be glorious. So um, that is a common theme throughout Isaiah. Okay, this 36 through 39 is again where they talk about King Hezekiah in Jerusalem. They tell his whole story about how, you know, he was going to get defeated. Um, yeah, so it says, this two, these two chapters record how Hezekiah, king of Judah, listens to God and obeys the word of Isaiah. The result is that the king of Assyria is defeated in his attack on Jerusalem, and the destruction of Jer Jerusalem is postponed until the Babylonian Empire rises to power. Then the next two chapters, so 38 and 39, talks about how he became ill and then he prayed and he sang a song and then, um, oh no, sorry, the song came after, but he prays to God and God grants him 15 more years. So an actually considerably longer life. Um, and then Hezekiah's song and then, yeah, so it goes through Hezekiah's whole story, which we've gone over in past Bible episodes. If you want to recap that in detail, go back to those um, podcast episodes. But that was a very good story and talks about um, how God was faithful to Hezekiah in multiple areas. Okay, chapters 40 through 44. Um, chapters 40 to 51 of Isaiah deliver a message a series of messages to Judah and the remnant of Israel. Isaiah looks into the next two centuries. Yeah, Isaiah looks into the next two centuries. He sees beyond the Babylonian captivity to the fall of Babylon, the rise of Persia, and the rebuilding of Jerusalem. In chapters 40 through 44 outlined below, Isaiah sends a series of strong messages to God's people. So this is why it gets confusing because for part of it, he talks about like the final days. But then 
you know, in chapters 40 through 44, he's talking about, or let's see, Isaiah looks into the next two. Um, yeah. So then sometimes he's talking about the next two centuries. Sometimes he's talking about the end of days. So I think I get confused and I really, Isaiah needs to be one I take like a lot more time, time in later and just really dissect it because if you're just reading a, a huge chunk every week and you don't really have the the time to like nitpick it and go see exactly what's going on, it's easy to get confused. So Bible commentaries are a lifesaver sometimes. Okay, God's messages to Judah and the remnant of Israel. This is Isaiah 40 through 44. It says, speak comfort to Jerusalem. It talks about John the baptizers. So like John the Baptist's ministry, he was kind of the precursor to Jesus. It talks about Christ coming. Um, the Almighty God sits above the circle of the earth. Those who wait on him shall renew their strength. Um, it names God as a great craftsman and then talks about the worthless craftsmen or, you know, worthless work of those who craft idols. So it, it always is like poetic and making these um, contrasting things about how good God is and how useless like the work of human hands is uh, when, you know, when there's no God involved talks about how God brings light into the darkness, says do not fear. A lot of times it says do not fear here. This is like a very strong theme in Isaiah. Um, said Israel has not forgotten God. And then it says to just remember all these things that God has been telling them. So those are 40 through 44, just a list of all the warnings and uh, remem remembrance reminders <laughs> that God gives the Israelites. Okay, Isaiah 45 through 48. Um, this is in that same like series of summaries, but it's on a new page. Um, Cyrus, king of Persia, it talks about him and says, in the last verse of chapter 44, Isaiah names a future king of Persia who would shepherd the remnant of God's people and oversee the rebuilding of Jerusalem. All of this came to pass. So he prophesied all of these things about the rebuilding and they all came true <clears throat> um the lord calls cyrus by name even before he's been born so cyrus is the new king of persia he will respect god's purpose and plan and cooperate with the rebuild so um god tells all the remnant of israel to listen and remember he reiterates that he is their true god not some idol he, God, will save them from the Babylonian exile when he calls Cyrus from the east. And Cyrus is a man of God's purpose. So all of this was prophesied and then it came to pass. Then he also talks about the fall of Babylon. He condemns Babylon um, because they do pagan arts. They have sorcery and astrology. Um, he reminds Israel that he's their God and their creator and then reminds them that he has chosen Cyrus to help them. So, um, but then he also says that Babylon will fall, which also comes to pass. God likens Israel's coming redemption to the escape from Egyptian slavery in the time of Moses, which also we have gone over in my previous podcast as well. So if you want to look at their entire, you know, journey out of slavery, that's a good place to go. Okay, then... 49 through 51, it's talking about hope on the horizon. It says, throughout Isaiah, there are intense messages of hope amid all the tribulations and failures. 
Um, Isaiah looks beyond his time to the coming of Christ and even beyond that to the second coming. So this is also kind of, it's very, very poetic. It talks in basically triads again. And so it has like these groupings of three themes. And so it talks about how Christ is coming, how God loves sinners. It says, awake and listen to me. And then awake and listen to me, a second triad. So it talks about their freedom um, through God and how God's going to rescue them. And you will drink fully from the cup of wrath, which is kind of a weird thing. But, um, you know, basically talking about judgment day. And then, and then your tormentors will also drink from it, you know, and they will be punished, essentially. So a lot of talk about the very end of days in this one. Okay, chapters 52 through 56 of Isaiah take up the theme of 51, which is awake, awake. The chapters speak hope, of hope in Christ the Redeemer, the glory of his coming kingdom, and the principles followed by those who hope to enter that new Zion. Penitence, faithfulness, justice, mercy, wisdom, and integrity. So again, this is all kind of in triads, and I'm not going to go into every triad, but here are the ones from 52 through 55. So it talks about him being the redeemer. The slaves will be redeemed and clothed as kings. Good news will be announced and saved. Wait, good, the good news will be announced and the saved will go out victorious. And the Christ will be marred more than any man, yet he will be the king of kings. So that's in the first triad, the redeemer. Then it talks about the lamb of God. It talks about his life, death, and glory. It then talks about the church of Christ says the barren woman will have numerous sons the woman forsaken will have a husband the desolate city will be invincible talking about our the the body of christ the church of christ how we've all come together seek the lord it then says and tells everyone to hunger and thirst after the lord and they and you will be satisfied this is a common theme in the bible too about hungering and thirsting after the lord this is also in isaiah um, and then it says, forsake our way for God's way, our thoughts for his thoughts, which is always a good reminder. That's like, you know, my ways are above your ways, sort of, <clears throat> sort of reminder, which is very true. Okay. Then Isaiah 56 or 59, talks about, uh, righteous principles to live by. So keeping the Sabbath, um, do not discriminate against eunuchs or foreigners. Uh, no corruption, no sorcery, no idolatry. <clears throat> Being humble, um, having genuine religion, it says, or genuine, um, yeah, like don't, don't go after these idols. Uh, okay, and then a wicked world saved by God's own arm. God's hand can save, your hands are defiled, all have sinned and turned aside. And the Lord's own arm brought salvation through Christ. That is the three themes in the triad of a wicked world being saved by God. So again, a lot of end of days. Okay, Isaiah 60 through 62 talks about the glory of God coming to Zion. So it talks about the hope of heaven, the great in gathering, so that great like where we're all brought up and resurrected. Um, and then it talks about heaven where God is the light. Then it says the Messiah's song of joy and gladness. It says the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news. Everlasting joy will be theirs and my soul will exalt in God. Exult in God. 
So it talks about how joyous it is that, <clears throat> that the Messiah is coming. And then we'll be called by a new name. Our salvation is coming. There's a triad talking all about our salvation and how God has saved us. And then the final four chapters of Isaiah, which is Isaiah 53 through 56, there's actually a prologue which says, Isaiah's vision of God in bloodstained garments. Isaiah asks two questions and God replies. Edom, the name means red, was one of Israel's enemies and represents all enemies of God. God makes it clear that just as he alone is mighty to save, so he alone can tread the winepress of vengeance. So he reminds us of his power in this uh, chapter and saying like he alone is the, the judgment that is going to be coming. So then there's a few triads of Isaiah's prayer. The first triad of Isaiah's prayer is Isaiah speaks of God's love and his kindness. He then recalls God leading his people in the days of Moses. And then Isaiah asks why God's zeal for his people has waned. So kind of calling God out there. The second triad of his prayer is Isaiah wishes that God would come down and do awesome things again. Isaiah confesses people's sins and then Isaiah acknowledges God as the heavenly father. It said, we are the clay, you are the potter. We've probably heard that a lot in Christian songs recently, um, but that is where this comes from. Actually, a lot of like very famous Bible verses or songs came from Isaiah. As I've been reading this, I've been like, oh, this is every Christian song there is like came out of Isaiah. Um, <clears throat> but then the, que the second question he asks is, that, you know, he sees the cities desolate, the temple burned, and said, will God not come to their aid? So then God replies in two triads, um, which again plays on the poetic thing of Isaiah. God speaks frankly of the rebellious and unworthy nation. God has destined the sword to destroy the rebellious nation. However, he will not destroy all. A remnant will be left to bring forth offspring to inherit the promises. And then this is the nation will suffer, but the remnant will be blessed. Okay, second triad of God's reply talks about how he will create a new heaven and a new earth. He asserts his sovereignty and purpose. And then the suffering of the nation is travail through which God will cause a new kingdom to be born. So again, he says that the the nation will suffer, but there will be a remnant of the faithful that will carry this on. And then God speaks of the final things in the distant future of heaven and of hell. That's from Isaiah 66, 15 through 24. So that is Isaiah. That's the whole book of Isaiah. And again, I would highly recommend following along and like actually going through and reading all of Isaiah because it's good, but it's just, you need to take some time to like actually read through it to understand like, is he talking about the final days? Is he talking about just the, you know, in the next two centuries sort of thing is he talking about you know babylon this new king or is he talking about the king as in jesus or the, you know what i'm saying so it gets very confusing at least for me just because i didn't leave myself enough time to really like read it and understand it to the full extent it would take me probably a couple weeks to go do that um, so again like no shame in looking at bible commentaries or outlines or whatever it did help me like I, I found that reading the outline beforehand was really, really good. And then I would go and read Isaiah and understand. And that way I could just know what they're talking about for sure. And, and really get a lot more out of it. So Isaiah overall is a pretty good book, but it's just, it's just been difficult for me to like really 
get through the poetry of it to like, what is he talking about? Um, so I need to go back and definitely reread this. Um, maybe once I get through the entire Bible, I'll just come back and read Isaiah and like do a couple week or like a month or two Bible study just on Isaiah because there's a lot here and I think I got it at a surface level, but I think I need more for sure. So that is all for today. Um, like I said, we I did read up until Jeremiah 5, but I think I'm just going to let that be next week and let's see what my um, podcast for next week is actually going to be through. So it's going to be Jeremiah 1 through Jeremiah 32. So we will do that for next week and I will see you then. Thank you all for tuning in to another Bible episode and I'll be in Michigan by the end of the day. So I am so excited. I hope you all have a great weekend. See you later.